This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Colors Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. We've got some unfortunate news on this Monday. East Carolina running back Rajay Harris, the third year back, will miss the remainder of the season with a knee injury that he suffered in the game against South Florida. Suffered it late in the contest on his second run on ECU's final drive of the 48-28 win over the South Florida Bulls. We're here for a quick podcast breaking down the news, reacting to it. Hoist the Colors uh, got the information early Monday morning. ECU got the information on Sunday. Uh, Their worst fear had been confirmed that Rajay Harris uh, tore his ACL uh, from everything I've heard, which is a a difficult injury and highly unfortunate. Uh, The good news is with today's medical technology, he should be able to rehab and return in time. And of course, uh, you know, doctors do an amazing job on those surgeries these days. The Rehab is difficult. It is long. It'll take time and patience for uh, for Rajah Harris, but um, he should be able to get back to full strength with the Pirates down the line. Uh, the other thing too is just you know really really feel for Rajah. I, I think he since he committed the ECU and really dating back to when he was offered a scholarship, I've just really enjoyed getting to know uh, Rajah. Was clearly raised uh, the right way. Um, just a, a tremendous young man. Always puts the team first. Great attitude. Always seems to look at the positive of every situation. He's clearly going to need that right now. And, you know, kudos to the Pirate Nation, his teammates, his coaches. They all have his back. They've all been reaching out to him through this difficult time. And you you do wonder, um, even a a positive man such as Rajay, I mean, it's got to hit him um, in a very tough way. You know, halfway through his junior season, Granted, he's a sophomore eligibility-wise, but it's his third year with the Pirates. And, you know, to really be coming off a solid game, both receiving and running and, you know, making several plays. He had already scored five touchdowns, and it's just uh, it's just a shame. But it's part of football, unfortunately. It's what these guys sign up for. And so we wish Rajay the absolute best in his rehab. And just from talking with people around the team, they're going to keep him engaged as much as possible because they want him – not only to, you know, get too down on himself and 
have any mental challenges, but they, they all want him to be a part of the team just because he is such a positive influence. He's such a leader, and they're going to try and get him around the team still as much as possible, even through the rehab process. So uh, that is a positive. And, and also, you know, while he still will obviously have to go to class and do that, you do hope Rajay, who has a young daughter at home, can also spend some, some more time with her. You know, one of the perhaps bright points of the injury is he won't have to spend so much time practicing, studying, all that sort of stuff as far as the on-field stuff. And he'll still be involved, like I just said, but, you know, it gives him the opportunity to also do that as well. So that's perhaps maybe one of the few bright spots of the situation. So now let's move into how this affects the East Carolina football team. And I think it's it's a critical loss. I mean, look, you don't lose one of your bell cow running backs and just shake it off like nothing happened. You know, the good news is ECU has another capable back in Marlon Gunn. Clearly, they have Keaton Mitchell, who is a 1,000-yard rusher and a big part of probably the, the best one-two running back tandem in the American Athletic Conference. That's now down to Keaton Mitchell and some guys who are unproven, but I think we've seen enough out of Marlon Gunn at this point to know he's going to be pretty damn good as well. He'll get more touches. He'll get more reps. With that becomes more responsibility and more he has to do as a freshman, which is always a you know, a bit of a challenge for a coaching staff to get a, a such a young player who hasn't even had spring practice or any of that stuff in the past to get him ready for such a workload. So you do hope Keaton Mitchell can come back from his hit pointer as soon as possible, even if he can't play a full workload this weekend at Tulane. Just having him for maybe 15, 20 snaps, if not more, depending on how much the offense is on the field, would, would do such such a, a wonder on taking some of the load off Marlon Gunn. It'd be very difficult for Marlon, even as good and as talented as he is and as good as he's looked, to go out there and be the full-time guy as a true freshman midway through his freshman season. So really interested to see the status of Keaton Mitchell this week. Just from talking with people around the program, I'll be surprised if he doesn't give it a go on Saturday. I honestly thought he was going to play this past Saturday. At USF, I think the coaching staff thought he would too. It's just, you know, he, he just wasn't moving quite 100%. And they didn't feel the need to, to maybe risk further pain, further injury. With his injury, it's more of a, a pain tolerance deal. Although if you sit there and you get it hit again and again where your bruise is as a hit pointer, it's, it's not going to get much better. So this coming Saturday will be two weeks, 14 days removed from the initial injury. Usually you're looking at two to three weeks as far as how much that will linger. Uh, maybe a little longer if it's a really deep bruise, but you know, with with with, with Keaton, he should be close to back to you know getting towards that 100% marker as much as possible. You know, five six games into the season for a running back, and and look for for this offense to be special, they need Keaton Mitchell. Uh, I know they put up 575 yards on South Florida, but South Florida's defense is not very good. Um, they've got some talented players, but they were just all over the place. So this offense needs Keaton Mitchell. And they, they honestly probably need him to win this football game or at least to play a, a pretty good football game at Tulane and really have your offense clicking at full full speed. You need your best playmaker in terms of explosiveness against a really sound, really solid defense that's made a lot of improvements over the past year under uh, the defensive coordinator in New Orleans. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on Keaton Mitchell starting Tuesday. At practice, we'll be out there Tuesday, Wednesday, of course. He was out there practicing last week, and so we won't really know until game day 
And even if he makes the trip, we won't really know until game day, until game time. We all thought he was going to play. The team was sharing social media pictures of him, you know, 30 minutes before kickoff, and then it turns out he didn't play. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that in New Orleans once we get there leading up to the football game. Beyond Keaton Mitchell, you've got Marlon Gunn, I think now who steps into the clear number two back role, and Marlon did a, a phenomenal job. Given his young status as a, a freshman, I believe 45 snaps, a career high against South Florida, ran the ball well, you know, continuously fell forward for extra yardage. He's a big back. He runs physical, doesn't waste much time hitting the run. I was also really impressed with his pass pro. I was impressed with the way he caught the ball, got upfield. He surged forward for a first down one time, I believe on third and seven or so. So, you know, really impressed with Marlon Gunn in his first extensive action. I mean, we've seen him in some blowout situations, and, and yeah, anybody can shine in those situations. But when you're in that real crunch time, when you're asked to pick up a blitzing linebacker in a 7 nothing game, when you're asked to catch a ball in the flat and go get five yards, run through a couple defenders with the game very much hanging in the balance, that's when you find out if a true freshman is ready to play or not. And I think we think, or I think we know, I don't think we think anymore, we know that Marlon Gunn is ready. It's just a matter of how much he's going to be able to handle at this point. We're talking about no matter how highly recruited a kid is, it's a lot for a freshman. And there's a lot this offense asks of its running backs. It's not just getting the ball and figuring out which hole to run through. There's just so much more to it than that. It's the checks, it's the protections, the verbiage, uh, knowing when to leak out of the backfield on a passing route, knowing when to pick up an extra block or blitzer as a blocker for Holton Naylor. So the good news is you got a full week of practice to get him ready, and really they were getting him ready last week. But with Keaton Mitchell still banged up, Marlon Gunn steps forward with a uh, with a key role in this offense. Behind Marlon Gunn, you've got three other scholarship running backs on the roster. Camaro Edmonds, the four-star recruit out of Havoc High School in North Carolina transfer. He is next in line right now behind Keaton Mitchell and Marlon Gunn. He has not played an offensive snap with the Pirates. He's not played an offensive snap in college. Really talented young man, just continuing to learn the offense. And everything I gather is he's come a long way since preseason practice when he got here. Still needs to continue to come along. And you hope for Camaro, a guy who has a lot of talent, maybe still learning things, the ropes of college football. All of a sudden, you see one of the guys in front of you go down with an injury. Maybe it takes that to kind of wake up and say, hey, I'm going to play away now from from seeing the field, especially if Keen Mitchell, for whatever reason, can't go this Saturday. Camaro Edmonds is going to be your second back. So... That's a situation the Pirates are going to have to uh, get Camaro ready as soon as possible. Chris Foster, the runbacks coach, does a phenomenal job. He'll have a lot on his plate this week and the rest of the season, whether Camaro plays this weekend. I mean, we still got seven games left, guys, in the regular season. So you could see another back. You could see another two backs go down. I mean, this is a very volatile position in terms of injuries. We talked about it last year. The Pirates were very, very lucky to get through the season with no major injuries to their backs. And Unfortunately for Rajay, he was the, the, the big victim, and we've seen Keaton now miss a game due to injury, and this was inevitable, and it's why Coach Houston wants to have five, six backs on scholarship. you got to have depth, and you got to have quality depth. Luckily, when your fourth-string running back is a four-star recruit in Camaro Edmonds, I don't think that's a bad thing. So uh, chance for him to step up as well. Behind him, you do have Pop McKay. Now, Pop McKay, who played a little bit last year, 
as a freshman, basically has not been able to practice fully since I've been out there since the preseason. I mean, he's just had some sort of injury that's very much limited him. He's done some stuff, but hasn't really practiced fully, so you don't even really know where he is. Nemo Squire is uh, potentially fifth in line behind Edmonds if, if, if Pop McKay can't go. And Nemo's a true freshman as well. He's done some positive things in practice. He has progressed as well. So you've got other backs on the roster. You've got a few walk-ons as well. But those are the main guys. You'll see, and really, I think you'll see a, a combination of Keaton Mitchell, Marlon Gunn, and the potential of working in Camaro Edmonds if he earns the coaching staff's trust. Uh, whenever he does that, I think you'll see him play as well. So a lot for the running back room to get done in the coming weeks. You know, my big concern with the loss of Raja Harris is how it affects the team emotionally. He is a very emotional player, wears it on his sleeves. Again, like I said earlier, great leader, just a guy that you really enjoy having around. And so you hope that the the absence of him on the road or on the sideline during a game isn't felt um, in terms of not having him there if that affects the team. You know, I think Coach Houston has done such a good job with building this roster and building this culture that it won't be as much of an issue, but it is a concern of mine. He's been one of the guys who has really stepped forward as a leader across the board in this program, and so I really hate it from that point of view. The other thing Rajay does extremely well, extremely well, is his his role in the passing game. He is a every-down back. He pass-protects extremely well. He's graded out the best by far of any EC running back since his arrival at ECU, especially the last two years. He catches the ball extremely well, catches it very well, gets upfield. Um, he's a threat in the passing game, and so to lose that part of it, we know Keaton can do damage carrying the football, but Rajay, in my opinion, the most complete back on the roster when you need you know, a third and eight back to pass protect and run a route, go get a first down. Losing that hurts, and the, the thing I did like about seeing Marlon Gunn in action this past weekend was he did both of those things well too. So that's important for a young back to do. We're not saying Marlon Gunn can't emerge into that type of role, but it is something that the Pirates will have to work around. And Keaton Mitchell, when he gets back in the lineup, he's going to have to do those things even more too, which I've always said, and, and we've always said that Keaton Mitchell, with his with his speed, with his skill set, there's no reason he shouldn't be an elite pass catching back. He's never going to be an elite pass blocker with his size, but he's gotten better at it but there's no reason he can't become a, a an X-factor in the passing game. We've seen it happen in the running game. He only has three catches now through four games this season, and really they haven't utilized him a ton in that space, but that's something that you would hope would change as time goes on this season, especially with the loss of Rajay Harris. The other part of this, too, is you wonder how much this at all changes the thought process of the coaching staff if you don't have one of your best backs and your other best back is banged up, do you go to more of a passing game plan or do you stick with, hey, let's run the ball X amount of times per game. Let's get as much balance as possible. Maybe we have to see more of an air it out style if guys continue to get banged up or they don't trust the other running backs as much. So those are all things that we'll have to see develop as the season goes along. You know, we know Coach Houston, Coach Kirkpatrick won't balance but when you lose Rajay Harris and Keaton Mitchell's banged up, that can potentially alter your uh, your best playmakers on the field. And if you're an offensive play caller, you want to get the ball into your best playmaker's hands 
as much as possible. Well, handing it to number 47, handing it to number two as much as possible was, was a really good game plan, even though some people get frustrated with the runs up the middle. You're still giving the ball to two of your best playmakers now. With Rajay gone, maybe Marlon Gunn becomes that consistent playmaker. He's certainly shown flashes. Maybe Camaro Edmonds becomes a playmaker down the line. But we know Isaiah Winstead. We know Ryan Jones, C.J. Johnson, Shane Calhoun. We know all these guys can make plays. And so it'll just be interesting to see how it unfolds. I also wonder, too, does the coaching staff toy with the possibility of moving Macy O'Donnell back to running back as well? He's played at some in the past. Granted, he's dealt with an injury, too. The slot receiver who's now on scholarship as a redshirt junior, he's dealt with an injury, and so I don't know what his status is completely right now, but he could be an emergency guy to move to running back if they really feel a pinch there. But that may be something down the line that has to happen um, if there's another injury or two at the position. At the end of the day, difficult loss for ECU. You're using, losing a running back who has played 998 snaps, and has graded out as one of the best offensive players the last three years. And Rajay Harris, so a difficult day for the team, difficult day for the offense, but uh, something that I don't think is going to hold this team back from accomplishing what it, it ultimately can. It is a blow, but with every great season comes the need to overcome adversity. Every great team, for the most part, has crucial injuries, and it's all about who's going to step up next. So that's a challenge to the ECU football team. Is it going to be Marlon Gunn? Who will it be? We'll find out. Starting this coming weekend at Tulane. By the way, Marlon Gunn, a native of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and he chose the Pirates over Tulane, among other offers. So this is an important game for him coming up this Saturday. All right, just wanted to hop on and share some thoughts on the season-ending injury to Rajay Harris. Again, prayers up for Rajay and his family as he goes through a difficult time. We'll be back in a couple of days with a preview of the Tulane Green Wave. We dive more into the matchup on the field between the two American Athletic Conference foes in a pivotal game, a game that I feel the winner will establish themselves as a legitimate AAC championship contender. We'll find out more this coming weekend, but we'll talk about that more in the days ahead. Thank you guys for listening to the Hoist to Colors podcast. As always, subscribe to the the website hoistacolors.net if you're not a subscriber already subscribe to us on youtube by the way we're trying to get our youtube numbers up soon we'll start live streaming these podcasts so go ahead and subscribe to get all notifications for our interviews that we post and all that sort of stuff subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcasts if you're not already subscribed in that matter manner all right we'll have more for you on tuesday on hoistacolors.net we'll have interviews with Coach Houston at his weekly press conference and players as well. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you later on.
baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.